a psychic medium with a four-year wait list? Buckle on up as you are about to hear how he communicates with lost loved ones. Welcome to the Motivation Show podcast and get ready to be inspired, motivated, and achieve massive success. And now, your host, the Mayor of Motivation, Eli Marcus. Our guest today is well known in the New York City area as one of the top psychic mediums in his field, with a four-year waiting list for those who want to experience his gift of connecting the living with friends and family in spirit. Welcome to the Motivation Show, Craig McManus. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Eli. It's nice to be here. Well, Craig, you know, you and I talked a little bit off air, and I mentioned to you two of the people who are pretty famous in the psychic medium field. Back in the 90s, I worked with uh, James Van Prague, who wrote several books and sold millions of copies. And I also worked with somebody who's kind of considered in a way the godfather of the field, George Anderson. Uh, Tell me how you're similar or different than those two people. Well, every medium, when they channel, uh, channels through themselves. Basically, you're bringing in spirits through your personage, your personality. So um, I think sometimes if a medium is a very serious person, you 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 might have a serious, more focused energy in, in that area come through. In my sort of channeling experience, I've found that the most healing energy is to keep it lighter, to bring through the positive um, love and especially humor tend to come through from spirit easily. And I love that. I just, I, I enjoy seeing people have a good time, uh, seeing people be lifted up. Um, so so I, I can't speak for the others, but in my personal experience channeling, I, I try to bring through the, the, the positive side of it. And, um, and I think all mediums are connectors with spirit. You know, everybody has a spirit or two around them, and only certain people seem to be able to sense and communicate with those spirits. But we're all light workers. So I think everybody, everybody that's that's working in the field is doing a good thing. We all do it differently, though. Every every bottle of wine tastes different. Every medium is a little different. So my perspective, I I like to keep the fun in it. Well, I think that's good. Uh, you know, people have, have, have enough uh, grief in their life and uh, they've lost a loved one. And uh, so to keep it a little bit light and get people to you know cheer up a little bit and, uh, you know, have more hope, uh, I think you're doing God's work. And, uh, you know, I want to commend you for that. So uh, tell me a little bit, Craig, how did this all start? Like, uh, did one day you just wake up and you just had this incredible gift? Like, uh, where did it come from? How did it evolve? Well, it wasn't wasn't one day that I can think of, but I can tell you I woke up a lot as a young child, as far back as I can remember, maybe maybe five or six years old, I started to sense things in the room at night. I'd be sleeping and something would wake me up and I'd hear something calling my name or talking and I'd, I'd sort of wake up and look around. There'd be no one there. And when I closed my eyes again, sometimes I would actually see swirls of color or what sounded like echoes down a hallway. And, and as a little kid, it really scared the heck out of me. I, I uh, I spent a lot of late evenings running down the hallway to my parents' bedroom and jumping into bed with my mom, trying to, trying to, you know, I was just 
frightened of it. As a child, I didn't know what that was. Now, when I look back, I realize that it's a gift that we're born with. And as soon as our, I guess, human brain starts to connect, then spirit energy comes through and, and spirits can feel when someone can sense them, can see them, can talk to them. And they will come around and try to connect even to, even to a child. So it, it started when I was very young, but I didn't understand it. On the other side of that, while I was afraid of a spirit or someone at night coming through, I was fascinated by the idea of ghosts and hauntings and haunted houses. I loved haunted houses. Uh, you know, the old movies with Vincent Price and, and all. I just, whenever it was a, an old dark house, it intrigued me. Growing up, there were a lot of older houses that had been not abandoned, but they were in their final throes. And sometimes the original owners were still there. Sometimes they passed. And, and I was drawn to them. And then I found I was drawn to anywhere that that was supposed to be haunted and something was pulling me in. And as I went through my teens, I got more interested in the psychic end of this and found out that the ability actually ran down uh, family lines and other family members, older family members had the gift. One even was working as a as a medium and and no one knew. She told me when I when I sort of broached the subject. Well, I'm sure it's not surprising to you, Craig, that there are probably some healthy skeptics out there. I, at one time, was probably one of those. However, I'm the kind of uh, person who's open to anything. If I don't understand something, um, that doesn't mean I don't believe in it. So I like some empirical proof. Now, I ran an event in 1999, circa then, uh, and uh, I had George Anderson, and I had a friend of mine, Barry, who was a very, very a big skeptic, and he wanted to come to the event, and he was open to at least experimenting. Somehow, out of 700 people, he got uh, called on, right? So, which is, to me, there's no coincidence that maybe he got called on. And then uh, George said to, you know, the audience, does anybody know a Sam? And there was about, you know, maybe nine people that raised their hands. And then uh, the uh, George said, does anybody have another person in, in there, another relative by the name of Sam? So like a second relative. And then all the other hands went down except for my friend Barry's. And Barry came up on stage and he gave him a reading. Uh, now, my friend turned from this very healthy skeptic into like, how is it possible that he knows that I had two Sams in my life and they were both, you know, uh, uncles of mine? So um, yeah. he was, the, he was, you know, again, uh, I wouldn't even call him a healthy skeptic. I would call him a skeptic skeptic. So um, have you ever had any situations like that where you turn somebody who, uh, oh, you know, into weekly? Yeah, weekly. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I, you know, I, I do about five or six groups a week. And um, when I have somebody in, you, you know, because they are, you know, I do these at these at home groups of six to 10 people. So sometimes people are inviting people to fill a seat and sometimes people are willing and sometimes they're dragged in. I, I feel bad for the guys because a lot of the guys get dragged to these. A lot, you know, a, a big amount of my, my, you know, fan base, client base are women um, who are really into it. And the husbands, the boyfriends, the significant others are dragged into this. And you see them sitting there with their arms crossed and looking. And it's typically those guys that get the best session. And I've seen people that come in with a poker face won't say a word and they're just reduced to tears and um and i remember one one instance in spe very specifically um it was a, a larger group about 10 people and a guy was sitting over in the corner and there was nine ladies and he must have walked in if his friend was hosting it he just showed up to visit not being part of this group and he said i don't believe in this stuff and i said well okay 
So I'm, I'm feeling all this energy around him. So normally somebody might say, well, if you don't believe it, I'm not going to bother with him. I'll read everybody else. But I said, you're here, you're, you're, you're open game. So I said to him, you know, there's a Seymour behind you. That's an odd name. I think I've known one Seymour in my, my years. Um, and the guy just, his draw, jaw just dropped. And, um, and I looked at him and I said, you know, Seymour is talking about your grandfather. I said, did he know your grandfather? And the guy just is about 10 second pause. And I thought, all right, he's going to tell me, you know, I don't believe in this crap, whatever. He opens his mouth and he says, Seymour was my grandfather. Wow. And, and, and I said, well, I'm going to tell you, I said, I told him, I don't know who's coming tonight. I just, you know, I, I'm, I come here. I know who's booking the session. There's nine other people. I don't know. I don't even ask people to say hello or identify themselves. And he said, oh, I know. He said, I wasn't part of this group. I just showed up tonight for no reason. And they told me, why don't you stay for this? He said, there's no way you could have known that my grandfather was Seymour. Well, the rest of the night, the gentleman just sat there sta staring at me. Like he, it, I could see the wheels turning of him asking, how did he know this? So in answer to your question before, it's it's always healthy to be skeptical. That's, that's fine. That's good. You should be skeptical, but don't be cynical. So mm. keep an open mind. Love that, yes. Always keep an open mind. Don't sit there with your arms crossed saying, I'm not going to, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in this. Just say, let me absorb it. Let me see what comes through. And how does it feel? I, I tell people, if you come to a session and you don't believe, that's one thing. If things come through that are absolutely spot on, there's no way that a medium could have gotten that information or know that information, then, then, then own it. But some people still will sit there. I don't believe in this. And I'll say to them, this is like if you didn't like French food, going to a French restaurant for dinner and then complaining about the food. You know, I, I think you have to stay open to possibilities in life. Well, you know, we can't necessarily, you know, talk or see God, but there's a level of faith. And of course, uh, a couple of billion of us go to our churches, <laughs> mosques, synagogues, you know, and you have that faith. And I find that those people who tend to have more faith are happier people. Yeah, I, I do. Before I do every session, I, I do a meditation. I do a prayer of protection. I, I really, you know, I ground myself. I always respect everyone's beliefs, you know, and I, I just say to people that there is a bigger picture. There's more to the four walls than we see around us. And the people that say to me, well, there can't be spirits. You can't see them. I, I, I will turn to them and I'll say, well, then you better throw your phone out. And they'll be texting. And they'll say, why? I said, well, it doesn't work. Yeah, it works. No, I don't see the voices going into your phone and coming out or the type messages floating through the air. I said, I don't see any of that. So it couldn't work because you can't see it. So it disproves that theory right away that we things that we can't see do exist. Absolutely believe in that. So I have uh, ran events with other psychic mediums and I've seen people burst out in tears, but they were tears of happiness and joy because they were able to connect with someone who uh, was a loved one and they got what they considered closure. You know, they got to understand a little bit better on what happened to that loved one. And the loved one came back to, to be able to express something that they didn't express when they were alive, you know, the love and uh, in, encourage the living person to move on, uh, accept the situation and that they'll see them again. Uh, what kind of experience have you had where you've seen people burst out into joy and, and, and have been healed from one of your sessions? Well, Without naming the person, obviously. <laughs> Well, there's there's a lot of healing that comes through, um, which is 
which is my hope as a medium. You know, I mentioned before, uh, mediums are light workers, and there are many forms of light workers. You know, there are you know, therapists, doctors, counselors, you know, good friends, lo- beloved family members, you know, the people that, that are just there to help and support and just be there. So in my earlier years, when I was well, in late teens, um, I would be around people that I didn't know, and, and a name would pop into my head around someone. I'd feel a man's presence, a woman's presence. And they'd say to me, you know, what are you looking at? And and I'd say, well, I, you know, I have psychic ability. And at that point, I realized that my dad's family had had it and he talked about it, but he didn't use it because in those days you didn't talk about it. But I would tell people I have this ability and they'd say, well, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? I said, well, there's a man around you and his name is this. And somebody would say, well, that's my father's name. And this especially happened if we were out at a restaurant or, you know, sitting in a, a, bar somewhere and I just just conversation with the next table and um and I they'd say what what does he want and in the beginning I was afraid to connect because I didn't know what that connection would do would would I be you know somehow mentally pulled to a place where I don't want to be um you know you watch one too many movies coming from Hollywood that you know a spirit's going to jump in and possess you and but what was happening was it was family and friends close to the person I was around saw me, realized I had the gift and the ability to communicate. And they just wanted to get quick messages back that they were there, they were okay, they're around. And, and, and the most important message of all is just, you know, the love coming through and that they haven't gone. They have left physically, but they have not left. They're they're still there and their presence is around and helping and guiding. And people just started to, they would, they would look, most people loved it. I mean, some, some people would look at me funny, but the ones that would ask you're a medium, what do you get around me? Now, of course, now I I work full-time at this. Now, if they ask, I hand them a card, but, but in the early days, I would just read people and, um, and I could see it just brought such relief sometimes or closure. And on the other side of that, then I had people come through that, people didn't necessarily want to talk to. And, and I can't tell you how many times people have asked me, can you please block my in-laws? And <laughs> as, a, as a spiritual process, I can't block people that want to come through during a channeling if they're bringing positive energy or closure or healing or taking care of unfinished business or saying, I'm sorry, I have to let them in. But but people will come in and they say, oh, I couldn't stand that aunt. Why is she around me? And, and and I would ask, and the aunt would say, because I need to apologize to her, or we need to, I need to help her let this go. And I, I don't know about in your experience, but in, in my experience, a lot of people hold on to things from the past, occurrences that have happened, interactions that have gone south with friends, family, and they carry these for years after the people they've had the interactions with have long forgotten it. And, and that's the type of thing that I try to get people the healing to let it go. And spirits coming through trying to trying to say, I'm sorry, or they, they wronged someone. It, they're trying to help people let it go so the people here on earth can continue their life path with less, with less on their shoulders. So yes, I've seen a lot of it. It, it happens quite a bit. 
Well, and you I, know, uh, Dr. Gerald Jampolsky wrote a book called uh, Forgiveness. And, you know, what that basically means is that, you know, if, if you're not forgiving somebody, you're the one that's hurting because they don't even know that you're, you know, angry necessarily. And you're the one, you know, if you're angry, you can't be as happy as you should be in this life. So once you forgive uh, somebody, you can go on with your life and, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, harbor this resentment and have these ill feelings and just kind of feel so much better. It's like a big weight lifted off of you. Right. Yes. And I think, the you know, some of the some of the most difficult situations are when I'm channeling somebody's kid, you know, when when a son or daughter comes through. Um, I had a woman who lost both sons. I've had mm. I've had I've had parents who have lost multiple kids. And it just, you know, as a medium, I have to ground. I mentioned I do this you know, prayer of protection and the grounding and the connection before I come to someone's house or do a session. And it just can suck the life out of you. You really can. Because it's not the people in spirit who are draining me. It's the emotions from the living. Mm. And when I'm connecting with these just horrific, traumatic life events that people have had, I'm feeling them for a moment. But as a medium, I'm supposed to be in the middle. So I have to let things pass through me coming from spirit to people and coming from people to spirit. But you do, you, you sometimes you feel like you're fighting the tide. You know, it's 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 very draining. So, Craig, how graphic and how detailed uh, do you actually pick up from the channeling and spirit? Can you actually uh, tell somebody how somebody actually passed? Because some people don't have that closure. They don't know what happened, how that person died. Yeah, um, I can I can have I get feelings. I, I just did a, a, a big event up in Massachusetts and a, uh, a young lady's was was at the table with a friend of hers and and i kept saying there's a a gentleman around you and and i almost feel them on steps like we're sitting on the first step parents are on the second step grandparents on the third step it rarely goes to great grandparents but sometimes so so i can feel the generation and i said there's a man around you that feels like a grandfather but he's got all these electric shocks i said i i don't know and i said to her did he electrocute you know did electric i said i don't want to bring up to make this graphic but I, I was feeling it and she started to get uncomfortable i said you don't have to talk about it and she paused and she said they gave my grandfather electric shock therapy for several mm -hmm. years wow. to try to cure him of whatever mental uh ailments he was having and it was when he was younger so but he she said it traumatized him for life what they did so this feeling isn't how he died, but it's it's a very strong trauma energy that comes through with the spirit. So yeah, so graphic, yes, that kind of a thing can come through. But what a medium sees is sometimes black and white, shades of gray. It's like you're outside at night and you're looking across the street and you can sort of see someone in the moonlight. You can make out of it's a man or a woman. So sometimes it's it's a vivid flash of an image, and sometimes it's it's in the background. So it depends on how vivid the image is. The feelings are more graphic to me. If you can have feelings be graphic, but or maybe intense is a better word. Um, the feelings are more intense than the visuals, which is which is honestly a good thing. Well, I mentioned that in your introduction that you actually have a four-year waiting list, which is uh, pretty impressive. Obviously, there's demand um, for what you're doing. What do you think, Craig, people are looking for most like what's the top three things they're looking for in terms of closure and what they're looking to gain from one of your channeling sessions 
Well, you know, I've, I, so I've been, I've been working as a medium for on and off for about 25 years. I've been doing it. I was doing it. I was doing phone readings for many years. Um, and then I went to it full time about 12 years ago because I, I never thought I could do this full time for the rest of my life. It'll make me a ghost. Um, so, so when people come to me, it's for different reasons. However, recently with COVID, so many people have lost people mm, during COVID. Yes. Um, and this, you know, this was, you know, way back in the 1800s, this mediums, the rise of the mediums really came around after the Civil War. People had lost fathers, sons, brothers, um, you know, significant others that that they were yearning to connect to. And then after World War One, the same thing. Yes. So every time there's a big tragedy, you know, I'll see an uptick. But but with COVID, I'm even now reading people now that have booked, you know, three, four years ago, I have people coming in who passed. So I think it's reconnecting. I think the main reason is they want to know that the person's okay. I will say, and I tell this to most people when I have a session, that we all have a connection to spirit. So you can sense when a loved one's around. You don't have to be a, a medium to do that. I think it's a, a natural gift that we each have. Maybe you can't get in as deep as a medium I can, you know, as, as detailed as I can or connect as long, but but every person can sense people around. Now, some people say, I, I don't sense anyone. I, I can't feel them. And then as I talk to them about dreams they've had and experiences, I realize that they have been sensing loved ones, but but they want this big, you know, physical presence. And that's not what you get. That That spirits are very subtle and they will come around you sometimes when you don't expect it. They'll come into dreams. Um, so, so while everyone wants to connect with loved ones, you know, through a medium, everyone can connect by themselves. You know, you have the ability to just, as long as you stay open, you, you can get signs and you can get feelings. Now, my understanding is that you actually teach courses on how people can hone and use their natural um, intuitive and psychic ability. How uh, often do you do that and how easy it is for people to find you to, to get that sure. uh, gift yeah. from you? I, I, years ago, I was down in Cape May, and Cape May is like a second home to me. Um, I've, I've written five books about ghosts and hauntings in Cape May. I mean, it's can we it's hear the, some of those titles? Uh, but it's very easy. It's the ghosts of Cape May. It's a series, ah. and then one is uh, new haunts and old ghosts and new haunts. Um, there's uh, 400 years of the ghosts of Cape May for the uh, 400th anniversary of the settling of Cape May. Um, I, I was drawn to Cape May. I went down there when I was very young, never, never really was into ghosts and hauntings other than, well, Wildwood. I would love the haunted house on Wildwood, the pirate, you know, anything with, with made up ghosts and, the, and amusement piers I was drawn to. Um, when I went back as a young adult, I realized something had changed. In the 90s, there were like three walking ghost tours. And I was staying at one of the B&Bs and I asked, what, what's going on? And the guy owned it and said, oh, those are the ghost tours. And I thought... Did they bring in ghosts since I was here last? What's going on? But but ghosts had become slowly in vogue, and 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 today it's a it's a it's a big interest. A lot of people love it. So, um, so on one of these tours I went on in Cape May, it was actually the sort of impetus for me to to say, look at other people have ability too, because I had this this I guess he was about fifteen years old. He was with his mom. And we walked around the, with the ghost tour talking about things. And everywhere we stopped, everywhere, the, the spotlight on a building would go out, a street light would go out. 
And I said to his mother, have you noticed the lights are going out? And it's not just a coincidence because you always, you know, you have to, you have to rule out natural acquaintance. What, what could be a coincidence, natural occurrences, that kind of a thing. We walked down on the boardwalk and the cobra lamps above the boardwalk, the one went out above us, the next one out. This kid had some kind of energy and uh, I never, I lost touch with him. I don't know what happened to him. And the mother said, why don't you teach, you know, people how to use their abilities? And I thought, well, I'd have to figure out what range of abilities people have. Well, from that point years ago till now, I have encountered enough people in sessions. Um, And in those in those sessions, I will determine if a person is psychic, feels energy around maybe sees things that are going to happen in the future, precognitive dreams, or a psychic medium, all of that, plus they can communicate with spirits. And I realized how many different sort of facets of the gift there are. And so I I put together a course based on all of these different types of experiences people have and and abilities. And I, I sort of did a 101. So it's uh, you know exploring psychic awareness and 101, and then I have exploring psychic awareness 102. If people want to take it a step further, and and it really will give people the basic exercises to learn how to ground, to learn how to focus their energy, to learn how to block negative energies coming in. Um, and believe it or not, more negative energy comes from living people than it does from dead people. So a common that's, misconception. That's that, oh yeah, common misconception that spirits are all evil and lurking around to like take your soul away. No, the living are much more dangerous and much much more intense. Sometimes, sometimes this is a tougher like, playing field than the afterlife, huh? It 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 is indeed. Um, yeah. So, but but I t- I talk about energy work in these courses, not just about communicating with spirit. I talk about people energy. You know, you're in the car with somebody and you're thinking about a pizza. And you're like, oh, and somebody next to you in the car goes, hey, I'm in the mood for pizza. Or someone, you know, is thinking about something that happened to them at the beach and somebody else says, you know, I was just thinking about the beach. And you're like, well, that's weird. You know, so we all have this interconnected ability. Um, so so my, my courses deal with things like clairvoyance, psychometry, precognitive dreams, focusing energy. And then as people move up, then eventually what I do is I, I train like a one-on-one or two-on-one if people want to learn how to become, to use that ability to become, you know, a working medium. Yep, sure. So, Craig, there's over 4 billion people on this planet. Have you ever said to yourself, why you? Why do you have this gift? Why are you the chosen one to bring this forth and help heal people? Yeah, you know, um, I have I have questioned that. Um but as you know, as I mentioned, there is a genetic component. I believe. I mean, my dad had this ability later on in life when when I was working as a, a medium. My mother opened up about she had an experience when she was little, and somebody told her. Another medium told my mother as a little girl she had the ability. Um, I think there is an inherited component to it, but I also think that in life, things and people are put in our path that need our help. So if I was supposed to help people in this lifetime, that's that's what I'm doing. I mean, when I first started using my my gift, I wasn't I wasn't doing this professionally. I was sitting around with people. It was you know not that I was the party the party favor or the party game, but I just enjoyed it because I I could read people, 
I could, you know, I wouldn't have to say anything. I would just, he would tell my, I wouldn't charge them. I'd say, this, this is what I got. Good luck and walk away. And I saw the reaction and I saw the wonderful just look on their face and the relief. And I thought, you know, I have this gift. I should be using it, you know, and, and using it to help people. So, so have I questioned why I have it? No, I just, I'm just, you know, I, I was always told you never question a gift. So I think this applies. So for those people that want to learn more about some of your appearances, um, somehow get on your waiting list and uh, get a lucky break and get in to see you uh, and re or find out about your books, how do they do that? So you can visit my website, which is craigbickmanis.com, my name. Um, I also am on Instagram and Facebook. I'm um, Craig McMedium because it's easier to remember for some people than McManus. And I will post events there. I'll post the classes. Um, I do uh, small groups. I do larger events. I, I do a lot of fundraisers because I, I think that's a good thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm brought in the entertainment to, you know, different types of causes. And I, I enjoy that. I've, I've always enjoyed fundraising. Um, and then in October, I'm also down in Cape May doing walking ghost tours. Um, um, so I do that one weekend. Uh, I'll be down there the end of the month. and. Uh, that's always fun. And we, we, we've actually developed a trolley tour in Cape May with the Mid-Atlantic Center for the Arts, MAC, um, that is based on my investigations over the year of all years of all these different houses. And that will take you around. So when I'm not in Cape May, you can still experience the ghosts that I've, that I've turned up. Well, I'm going to do a quick psychic reading on you, Craig. I'm going to turn the tables. Are you ready for this? Go ahead. First, I think you're a really good guy. Uh, <laughs> I think your heart's in the right place. Uh, you're looking to heal people. Uh, you focus on the positive. Um, you try to eliminate the negative. Um, and I think that you're good for this world. I think we need more people who are out there trying to heal. Um, and I want to thank you for putting that out to the world. And I want to thank you for being on the Motivation Show today, Craig. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, you know, lots of good energy to you and to everyone out there. And the good energy is always there. You just have to find it, grab it and hang on to it, and most importantly, share it. If you would like to inquire about having Eli motivate your team, speak at your event, or coach you personally for massive success, email themotivationshow at gmail.com. That's themotivationshow at gmail.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.